This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast recruiting edition. My name is Bryce Kuhn alongside Sonny Ship. We appreciate you for joining in on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're consuming this content. Sonny takes a sip from the morning coffee. I haven't had mine yet. Uh, I had to work through some technological issues. So I'm going to have to get mine as soon as we get done with this podcast here on Friday morning. But, man, LSU fans, they need a pot of coffee and some after losing Terry Bussey. Sonny, we don't need to harp on this too long, but, you know, I think you made it pretty clear that after the visit last weekend, it's not that people didn't feel great about it. I think he had a good weekend, uh, He, you know, a chance to kind of see – the big game day atmosphere against Arkansas. But really, this one kind of felt like it was not leaning towards LSU the whole time. Your thoughts on that, and then just kind of where this roster stands, because I know there's a lot of worry from this fan base when it comes to the defensive back position. Yeah, I mean, he's been leaning, he's been leaning Texas A&M's way for probably forever, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, they were one of the first schools to offer him and things like that. So they had the relationships on their side. I mean, you know, proximity to home is closer to home, closer to where his, uh, you know, the family is that, that he lives with and all of that. So A&M had a lot of stuff on his side, and this was going to be a tough pull for LSU. Uh, obviously, from a fan standpoint, they hate to, you know, they hate to come up, you know, either second, third, whatever they finish with Bussy on a five-star, and, and, and there's been several of them. You know, Colin Simmons, they were right there until the end on Colin Simmons. Obviously, Dominic, Dominic McKinley, the number one player in Louisiana. Kobe Black, another corner, five-star cornerback out of Texas. You toss in, uh, you toss in Terry Bussey, and, uh, and and that's a lot of coming up second or coming up third or, or you know, or, or not getting the job done, I guess, as the, uh, I guess as the fans put it. And I get Get it, you know, you um, you know, when you go after those big fish, eventually, you know, you gotta pull one in. You gotta get that Deshaun Womack. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta be able to look and say, okay, you know, all of those recruiting efforts that you put into these kids that you see a little, you know, a little residual payback from it. And uh it could still come. <laughs> it could still come with the transfer portal down the road, but you know, looking at the looking at the near term. Uh, you know, I think LSU fans are just kind of sitting there saying, okay, when's it, when's our turn? You know, when, when yeah. are we not going to come up second? We, when are we not going to be the bridesmaid? And so um, I wish I had an answer. I wish I could look at this list and say, hey, there's a five star right there. I think you're going to get, but I think you're going to have to wait till that night, that next cycle. Uh, you know, that 2025 cycle for that. But from a, from a positional standpoint, you know, if we put Terry Bussey in LSU's cornerback room, it's a cornerback mm-hmm. room that has seven guys in it that have that can return next year. Obviously, with four guys already committed in this class, I don't think you're going to have a cornerback room slash nickel room sitting at 11 or even 12, you know, uh, by, by the time the spring gets here. So 
the numbers are the numbers are not at a point to where you look at you look at it and you say okay LSU has to get you know has to get a corner who can come in and play right now because Zion Alexander and Denver Harris your two starting cornerbacks right now Denver Harris has three years of eligibility left Zion Alexander has one after this year right here mm-hmm. and so you know from a from a pure numbers and body standpoint. Now the LSU cornerback room is in is in good shape. Um, mm. I, I think what what you're looking at though is you're saying, okay, is Alexander and Harris going to turn the corner this year to where you feel better about the guys returning next year? You don't feel like you need that impact guy. And I think Alexander yeah. and Harris, I think that that they will show that improvement throughout the season to where. You're going to feel a lot. I think fans will feel a lot better about this cornerback class come January, come February, when they see everyone who's coming back. And then you add the new guys into the equation. Because let's face it, Kai Bates, Andre Evans, two out-of-state corners coming in. You know, both of those guys, both of those guys are, are, are highly rated. Both of those guys yeah. are guys that, you know, you, you have to feel good about from that perspective. Jawan Johnson, the guy coming in, I think the sky's the limit for him as a nickel, um, you know, as a corner slash nickel, maybe even a safety type. I just think he has a bright future when it comes to that. And then Wallace Foster, you know, he's a, he's another guy that when he first started out on the uh, when he first emerged, you know, he started out as, as a pretty solid four star guy got hurt last year, returning this year. Um, and so kind of you put a TBD by his name to see how that knee recovers from the, you know, from the injury and whether or not he's able to sustain that recovery without hurting it again this year. But just from a, you know, from an overall perspective, it would be nice if LSU, you know, for those who are who are unsettled about the cornerback room, you know, you would probably love to add another guy just to add another guy. But I think that that room is in a lot better shape than it gets credit for. Yeah, and one thing you mentioned, too, with kind of guys having to be developed, like they've got to develop some of these younger guys that you mentioned. I mean, uh, you know, Denver Harris, we're still seeing, is a very much an unfinished product when it comes to this. I and mean, when he came from AM, he flashed. He's shown flashes, but he's also shown flashes of youth. And, you know, uh, that uh, youthful, that blissful ignorance, I guess you could say, of just not knowing what you don't know. Um, you know, and I think, too, you got to remember you're going to have J.K. Johnson back next year. That's going to be something that, you know, we didn't really get to see much of because he got hurt so early in fall camp. Sonny, how much can you, and, and I kind of this kind of goes along with the fans, you can't just continue to rely on 18 year olds to perform. You got to develop what's in house, and that takes time. Like, I think that's something that, you know, a lot of fans don't have the patience for. But you think you've got a nice crop of guys. You add in J.K. Johnson if he gets healthy, you know, and his potential. Um, then you bring in these guys, like you mentioned, and you start to kind of form a room where maybe you can go pick one out of the portal if there's a high level target, you know, this offseason. I just, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't know if I, the numbers don't add up. And I am excited to see what a guy like Kai Bates can do. Andre Evans, like you mentioned, you know, Wallace Foster, a guy that uh, you also have to, how much of this? And I want to ask you this. We know recruiting rankings, that's the business we're in. How much does the evaluation of what this team has matter more, maybe, than what the uh, the industry standard? I mean, I'm sure these guys, the the analysts, the the recruiting staff, the coaches, when they're breaking this down, they say, well, you know what? We actually kind of like what Wallace Foster brings and to the to the group and to this maybe more than someone else out there. Yeah, well, and, and that's that just goes back to where if you get five NFL scouts 
you bring them to a practice, you have them watch five kids, they're probably going to have, you know, there will probably be three to four different opinions formed on those kids. Yeah. And the same things, you know, the same thing's going to happen. I mean, when you've got, you know, recruiting analysts, you've got guys who are, who are ranking kids, and then you have the college coaches who are actually, you know, out there offering the kids. Um, look, this is not a slight against the recruiting industry whatsoever, but I'm not about to sit here and try to try to convince someone that, oh, the you know, us recruiting analysts who rank kids, you know, we're, you know, our word is gospel because that ain't the yeah. case. And look, yeah. it ain't to say it ain't the case with all college coaches, too. But look, man, I'm college coaches, you know, the college coaches take Robert Steeples, for instance. What's he making? Three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> ain't no recruiting analyst out there making that. OK. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, you know, I, I think you have to look at him and, and you you take each measure. But it's just like any if you get to, you know, if you get if you go ask a doctor, what one doctor tells you your prognosis is, what another one tells you your prognosis is, probably going to flip back and forth between the two of them, you know, yeah. until you get one that you just really feel good about. And so I think that's the case with recruiting rankings, you know. Use them as a guide. Use them as a metric. But look, at the end of the day, you should feel comfortable enough trusting your position coaches. And I think Brian Kelly, uh, Brian Kelly does. You look at the coordinators on both sides of the ball, I think they do. Um, and that's not to minimize the recruiting rankings in any way whatsoever. But at the end of the day, you know, that college coach's job depends on those recruiting rankings. You know, yeah. there's not many recruiting analysts out there that I know who have been fired because of how they ranked the kid. Yeah. yeah, unless the kid didn't exist, <laughs> and we've seen that, that a couple of times. That's, that's true. That's very true. That Sadly, is very, I don't true. think that person got fired. Though. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, let's talk about uh, an interesting offer here. Obviously, it plays into the fact that LSU is going to be playing Ole Miss. Current Ole Miss commit Bernard Cossey, uh out of uh, John F. Kennedy. This is a kid that was, you know, had been rumored to be kind of on LSU's radar over the past couple of weeks and months. Um, we've talked about this on the podcast, but that official offer kind of dropped on Wednesday evening, which was kind of weird, I think, for the fans to see because you knew that Bussy was going to commit the next day. And the offer to Cossie comes in the night before. I mean, less than 24 hours before that commitment. I know that you've, you know, kind of uh, been in on Cossie as a guy that LSU's looking at. Now that that offer is there, you know, we mentioned there's a numbers game with this. How realistic do you see LSU being able to push and being able to flip Cossie from Ole Miss? Well, you know, you talk about Terry Bussey and, and we talk about the, some of the, the five stars that LSU missed out on, you know, outside of Dominic, Dominic McKinley, they're all from outside Louisiana. Now we're talking about a Louisiana, a kid from Louisiana. A lot of his friends, a lot of his teammates probably grew up following LSU. Talk about LSU. He's friends with some of their commitments. Um, I know Colin, Colin uh, Billio, when they had their game a couple of weeks ago, you know, they were taking pictures after the game, chopping it up and stuff. So mm -hmm. you can see the relationship that they have. So when you start talking about the numbers game, I think it's easier when you have a if you have a position room that has a lot of people in it. I think it's easier to convince that Louisiana kid than it is to go outside the state and recruit that Texas kid because you just have a lot of factors. You have a lot of variables at play. You know, you're talking about a New Orleans kid. 
You've got area recruiters in New Orleans who spend a lot of time in New Orleans who go by that high school, regardless of whether or not they have a prospect or not. You know, you can't say the same for those out of state schools, you know, for those out of state kids. So I I don't think we're comparing apples to apples when we talk about Calsey or Bussy, adding them to that room, because I think you have to consider the the in-state angle and, Mm. you know, the emotions that that could carry the um and just wanting to wanting to be closer to the family you know i think that was a huge factor with terry bussey wanting to be closer to his to the family he's with in texas and i think with Calsey, if he makes that flip from Ole miss to lsu that's going to be a big reason and that's going to be a big factor you know he camped at lsu over the summer listed at six foot 160 probably a little bit under six foot but pretty close to it got some got some decent length Ran a, uh, I'm not sure of the exact time, but he ran in the 4-4 range at LSU's camp. Um, I, I was talking to, I was talking to a source over there, who said they love his speed, they love his tenacity, they love how he just likes to mix it up, he likes to get at it and stuff. And um, you know, when we talk about the timing of the Bussy offer, you know, there's no question that LSU wanted to get that offer to Causey before they played Ole Miss. You know, because oh, yeah. oh, if he yeah. makes that if he if he makes that trip to Oxford on Saturday, LSU wants him looking at LSU just as much as he's looking at Ole Miss. You know, and especially yeah. if LSU comes out of there with the W. You know, so I think that probably had a lot to do with the timing of that offer. Also, with just kind of while 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 Bussy never told LSU no. You, you eventually you start to get, you know, those good feelings of like, man, you know, I, I, I think we got a chance. I think I think we're looking good. I think, well, as time slips away and you don't hear anything, those feelings probably start to kind of go, you know, you're waiting on that doctor to give you a call at noon and all of a sudden it's one o'clock, two o'clock. You're like, oh, crap, what's going on? Man? <laughs> you know? And I think that, you know, and, and so that probably also played in to that decision about the offer. But, you know, I, I if Bussy would have surprised and, and committed to LSU, then, uh, you know, I don't know that that offer may have gone out strictly from the standpoint of, of, of Bussy would likely end up at cornerback and in Baton Rouge. So I think that, you know, that they wanted to get that offer out. But then mm-hmm. you just really wanted Paulson thinking about LSU while he's down there in the Grove on Saturday. Yeah, and obviously another guy too, um, David Johnson over at the Old Miss's 24-7 site mentioned Jude Foster down right here in Baton Rouge at a Southern uh, Lab School. Uh, you know, talk about – we've mentioned this, Sonny. I think you said it every single podcast. This LSU doesn't have a ton of wiggle room right now unless someone kind of uh, falls off of the decommitment charter or something like that. Uh it kind of feels like they're going to work their way around the edges and maybe, you know, pick a guy that could be kind of one of those fringe guys, a three-star like that. Uh, have you heard anything about Jude Foster or anything else they want to might want to beef up that offensive line? No, Brad Davis is really, you know, keying in on the guys that he already has, but, but is there any talk or any chatter about Jude Foster, that current Ole Miss commit? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, uh, right before LSU offered Joe Cryer in late July before, uh, before the Bayou splash, uh, Jude Foster is another guy that we mentioned right then, you know, mentioned it over the summer at campus. He's a guy that they're really looking at that they're, you know, they're trying to get a better evaluation of. 
Uh, you know, we've mentioned that, you know, Weston Davis, Blake Ivy, some of these guys, mm-hmm. you know, it's obvious that they want to add another offensive lineman. And while you, it's nice to all, it's nice to get those edge protectors because you can always slide them inside. I do think LSU needs some, needs some more interior help. And, yeah. um, and with Foster, uh, he played. He he's played on the edge for Southern Lab. I think his measurables just just speak more to uh, to him playing on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be one to watch. You know, I think he's going to be the one to, to continue to watch. But I also don't think that Brad Davis is done with a guy like Weston Davis. Uh, you know, there was talk that he may take a visit to Texas last weekend. That ended up falling through. Blake Ivy's a guy that, you know, that they're still going to kind of beat the bushes on a little bit because they were so close in it with him. And so I'm not sure that Foster is as close to uh, is as close to getting an offer as Causey was just because I think Brad Davis had a lot of, you know, threw out a lot of lines over the summer to offensive linemen. You know, you had Marcus Mascall who committed mm-hmm. to, uh, who committed to Florida, you know, some other guys like that, that they're still, they're still, they're still in contact with, they're still talking with and stuff and just trying to keep those lines of communication open because you never know what's going to happen. You know, you never know when a coach, when it, when an offensive line coach is going to either get fired or move on you never know with some of these head coaches who are right on the brink of being on the hot seat or not, how those situations are going to unfold. And so more so, more so than in past years, I think you're going to see LSU really um, try to tap into that pool of guys that they came up second, they came up third with. It's those out of state guys maybe before they turn to that in-state um, as far as the offensive mm. line goes. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, no, that, and that makes, you know, that, that's obviously interesting. Like you mentioned, Mascall, um, Ivy, Weston Davis, some of these guys that, like you said, it kind of felt like they were right there on the edge. Mascall, and you know, one of those guys that I remember talking to, and he said, look, it's, it's down to LSU and Florida, and Florida kind of got that edge. But like you mentioned, we don't know what type of coaching movement's going to happen. Maybe an offensive line coach gets a job elsewhere. Maybe that staff gets fired, he's not retained, and now that kid's commitment to said staff might have changed. You know, that's a big conversation. Do you commit to the school or do you commit to the staff? Uh, and boards change. Watch. Recruiting they boards do. change. Recruiting they do. boards they change. Do. You know, when prospects, you know, one thing, one thing that Brian Kelly and Frank Wilson, I think they do a really good job of is, is when they, when they take commitments, when they extend offers, when they, when they have those personal conversations and relationships, I think they do a good job of laying out that, you know, you're committed, but the job is not finished. You know, mm. We expect you to continue to, you know, to continue to handle your business off the field, on the field. And, you know, kids have if, if kids don't get it done in the classroom, they have a chance of, you know, of coaches moving on, just like if they don't get it done on the field. And yeah. so, you know, th- th- those boards are going to fluctuate. Those boards are going to change. And, you know, that's why we that's why you start to see in, in you know, the mid to end of October, November, early December, you know, you start to see guys flip. You start to see guys open things back up. Some of it's because they wanted to open it back up. And then some of it's because they have to open it back up. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very there, there's a lot of intricacies that go along with this. And like you said, the evaluation process doesn't just end when they you know put down that commitment graphic in July or, or, or August or something like that, especially into that senior season. A uh, little note that I was able to kind of gather at the game against Arkansas. Um, 
a lot of commits were there. We obviously talked about, you know, the fact that it would be kind of a loaded weekend. JoJo Stone was there. He was on a scooter. He had a, a boot on. And um, he said, uh, unfortunately, he was going to miss the next couple of games, but he planned to be back. And, you know, when you kind of start to look at – I wanted to get to this one more time because I know we've talked about this. You start to look at this wide receiver room. I think they're building some fantastic depth. With the guys, the freshman class they have there right now, uh, the option for some of the guys that are, you know, maybe a little bit older to return. And then you kind of look in that 2025 class with a guy like uh, DeCorian Moore. I know we had a question on the board about it, so I wanted you to kind of wrap up today's podcast with this. You know, he, he's going to take his visits. And, and first off, I, I think well-deserved. Like if I was in this situation, Sonny, I'd be taking visits just to see what these college football atmospheres look like. How much does the staff of LSU really look into that? And But also understanding this is a, the number one kid out of the state of Texas. You'd be foolish to not think the Longhorns, the Aggies, and anyone else is not going to come in and try to flip that over the course of the next year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you're talking about a five-star. You're talking about the number two wide receiver in the country. Um, and you're also talking about the number one prospect in Texas. Yeah. I mean, you know, Texas, you know, Texas A&M. I mean, they're going to throw the I mean, look, they're going to throw the bank at this kid. You know, yeah. we know that. I mean, that's just we that's can just, say that's, it. Just, yeah. <laughs> that's just common knowledge. You know, they're going to throw the bank at this kid from NIL opportunities and and things like that, as they should, as they yeah. should. And look, and, and that young man, that young man has that young man has every right to go out and to get that bank because he's earned it. Now, he's yeah. earned it with what he's done so far and then what he needs to continue to do to obviously earn that. But, you know, we said this from when he committed. He's going to be tough to hold on to. It's going to be tough to hang on to this kid, you know, yeah. because he commit when he committed to LSU, NIL was like in the, you know, like such a small factor in that equation. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at you hear about the opportunities and stuff. And you say, OK, well, that's good. Well, as you get closer, you know, it's like when you go look at that car for the fourth time and you sit down and talk to that car salesman, eventually you start really getting into the nuts and nuts and bolts of these deals, you know? Yeah. And so look, that time's going to come. And when it comes, LSU's going to have to step up. LSU's going to have to step up and LSU's going to have to make a very nice, attractive package. That's just mm -hmm. part of recruiting now. And so, Fortunately for them, they've got some time to kind of build up the resources and and work some things out on that front. But, yeah, that's going to be a, you know, that's going to be a big factor. And that's going to be something that they're going to have to they're going to have to be able to overcome. And because Texas, Texas A&M, they're not going to be the only ones. You know, there's yeah. going to be other schools who are going to do the same thing, you know. And so, uh, you know, will LSU hold on to him? Who knows? That's a TBD. But. It's going to be hard to hold on to him. You know, I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't, you know, who doesn't believe that. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fun recruitment to to watch. Maybe not if you're an A&M, a Longhorn, or an LSU fan, but I think from a recruiting standpoint, it's going to be one to, that people are obviously going to watch and continue to keep in and mind. And an expensive recruitment. <laughs> yeah, and an expensive one. And, and like you said, I mean, people don't like it. It's the nature of what this sport has become, and it, it just is. is what it is. Um, I think it's going to be very, very interesting uh, to keep an eye out on. As you know, Bryce, well. I always go back, and I always go back to – you tell me one person who's mm. going to interview for a job where money is not one of the, you know, I don't know how many factors some people have when they look at jobs, you know, but I mean, if you've got three factors you're considering, money's either one or two. 
Yeah. And, 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 and that's yeah. the same thing. And with recruiting now, with recruiting now, that's all it is. Because these, these kids are signing with schools basically as jobs. Yeah. As jobs. You know, they're, they're, they're going there. They're going there knowing that they are going to get paid, knowing that they're going to get some money from it. And so, you know, you can't, if I raised my kid, if I had, if my, if my son was like, oh, I'm not worried about how much, you know, money or anything like that. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, boy? It's got to be a factor. Because yeah, it has reality. Been. It's part yeah. of life, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but, but I, and I totally get fans frustration, you know, there's no level playing field. There's no, you know, each state varies from NIL to NIL. Some states are just have so much more money than other states and like that. But I mean, it's an unfair game right now. Will it ever be fair? I don't see how, you know, yeah. um, I have. Well, cause no if we're honest, what, Sonny, and I, if we're honest, you it, it wasn't fair before all this came out too because you still had teams kind of doing this under the table. So now it's just being brought to light, kind of the dirty work that started to happen obviously 5, 10, 15 years ago. So right. it's never really been a fair game. We just, The public just didn't know so much about it as they do and now. I, love I think it. that's something too. I love it. I hate – I mean, I hate – I don't have to play stupid. I don't have to play dumb anymore, and we can talk about it. You know, Money yeah. has always been a big factor in recruiting. Yeah. You know, but now we can just talk about it. Now it's acceptable. Now it's not a taboo. Now it's not, oh, you're calling this coach a cheater or you're calling this school a cheater. Yeah. You know, before that's what it was. If you mentioned money, it was like, oh, hell would break loose. And, you know, people would want to call and get you fired and stuff for talking about it or whatnot, you know, for insinuating that they're doing something dirty. And so, um, you know, the NIL game is what it is. But from a professional standpoint, I'm just glad we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm glad we can openly talk about it and we can openly discuss. Look, they got a lot more money than your school does to offer right now. And that's going to be tough to overcome in a lot of situations, you know? It will. It will be. I know there's, I do agree with you. There's, there's a, there, I do agree with the fans' frustration of, how it's unregulated, I think that that's an issue for sure. Uh, there needs to be some type of type of rule and regulation, but until then, it's going to continue to run wild the way it has it been. Is. And look, you couldn't expect anything different. Go 24-7 podcast, talk and recruiting. Good one here with Sonny Shep. My name is Bryce Coon. Thanks so much for tuning in. LSU with a big one against Ole Miss here on the YouTube channel. If that's, if that's the only way that you consume the content, we encourage you to head over to go over to go247.com, uh, 24-7 sports slash LSU for some great content we're going to have over there recruiting wise uh, all uh, basketball kicked off I, I got my son I got my first taste of uh, a Kim Mulkey presser and uh, man I better have my my ducks in a row when I go in there and ask some questions because she's a stickler and it's going to be a lot of fun to cover that team absolutely dominant coat and tie required coat and, coat and tie That's... next time <laughs> When, when you write your book or I write my book, I'm definitely including <laughs> that as a chapter. It's going to be the coat and tie chapter. <laughs> Sonny Shep, my name's Bryce Coon. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Go 24-7 podcast.